Hi guys, today we will be speaking to the incredible Maggie Gutterell about all things Barclay Marathons. So tell me a bit about your background, a bit about yourself. Uh, well, I currently live in Durango, Colorado, um, but I'm from the East Coast, um, near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, yeah, I started running ultras about <clears throat> 10 years ago. Okay. And... And yeah, it's just kind of snowballed from there and kind of just gotten the longer and longer distances. We just kind of prefer those because um, I'm not super fast, so I like uh, things that are 100 miles or more. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like um, yeah, I live here with my boyfriend um, and our dog. Nice. And there's a lot of mountains here. And um, Hard Rock 100 is in Silverton, starts in Silverton, which is just... Uh, an hour up the road, so it's really pretty there, and it's an awesome area. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you, what kind of dog have you got? Yeah. Oh, we have a Weimar. His name's Titus, and he's 11 and a half. Does he run? He does, but he's getting older, so um, I think we need to limit it to just kind of walking and, and, and very special. Because he's a pretty stocky Weimar, and he's always been really stocky. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he used to run like 15, 15 miles with us. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he enjoys it as much as my daughter, so we're just taking him for a walk. He likes to be outside. Yeah. Well, we, you do what you've got to do to look after them, don't you, when they get older? Yeah, we actually bought one of those like, dog carts that go on the back of your bike. Oh. Um, and we've been practicing it in there. So we want to go on some like little like you know forest road camp adventures where we can take him in the cart. Oh, um, bless him. And yeah, yeah. I bet he lives his best life. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think he likes the cart as much right now, <laughs> but we're trying to get him used to it. Yeah. Maybe when he realizes that he still gets to go and he doesn't have to run, that he'll like he'll accept it. <laughs> Yeah, he'll he'll notice that he doesn't actually have to do any manu manual labour to get there. Yeah, yeah, I hope you recognise that. My dog would be thrilled at the prospect of that, I think. Definitely. What kind of dog do you have? I have a border collie. She's also getting older, so we're running a lot less, but she still enjoys it, you know? Yeah, they have a lot of energy, too. Yeah, they really do. I mean, she can she yeah. can still do thirteen miles with me, but it takes oh, wow. her a lot longer to recover these days than it used to. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, it's not like that afternoon she's like, okay, now what's next? <laughs> Let's you know, go it's again. Like sleeping probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, she kind of sleeps for two or three days after a thirteen mile now, and then she then she's ready to go again. You know, try and stick yeah. to the weekends. Yeah, she's a weekend warrior. <laughs> did you, were you were you into running when you were younger, or did you were you into any any different sports? Yeah, uh, when I was in grade school, um, and I, you know, just growing up, mm -hmm. we played with kids in the neighborhood, and we just did all kinds of sports. Yeah, um, we played like you know just football or uh, uh, actually well soccer. What we call soccer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What we call football. And then basketball and roller hockey and like all those things, uh, you know. So running was just a part of that. We did like flashlight tag and things like that. And then I also did 
sports and, and each season I did two sports and then it would be like track and volleyball or um, you know indoor and indoor track and then basketball and, and whatever they offered yeah. um, and then in high school I got away from that and I just wanted to hang out with my friends yeah. Uh, so yeah I didn't do and then I went to an art school uh, I went to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn New okay. York and there was no organization anything um yeah what how would you describe yourself if you take away the athletic side of things if if you didn't have running describe yourself oh it's probably stuck and no one would like me because i'd be really grumpy all the time um I mean, I'm sure I would find some other active thing. Yeah. I would, you know, I when I first started running, I was kind of dabbling in CrossFit and climbing. And okay. um, I lived in Philadelphia at the time. Mm-hmm. So that was something I was interested in. Uh, but then I just really started to gravitate to running because I just enjoyed it the most. So Yeah. So I, Gives you a little bit of release from being grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> What what you could do it anywhere really so yeah yeah what what do you prefer road running mountain running trail running yeah I I mean I like everything but yeah all the races I end up signing up for trail trail runs okay um and I'm excited now that I live in Colorado and it helps you that I can tackle some of the the bigger mountain runs or at least kind of focus and see what I can do yeah now that because I, I have done like a high altitude, more climbing trail run, hundred miler um, called Run Rabbit Run, and I was it's in Philadelphia at the time. And, okay. Um, it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. hard going from sea level because you know you could you just can't compete with like people who are sort of on your level that are uh, from higher altitude. It's just hard. Yeah. But there's definitely people who do it. I'm just not one of those people. <laughs> well, you might be now you live in a mountainous area. Yeah. Well, there's a runner, Casey Lickside, you probably heard of. And yeah, yeah. She lives in Nebraska, and she can come to these mountain runs high up and just crush it. Um, <laughs> okay. But I don't know. I'm fast enough. So, I don't know. I ended up throwing up this whole race. So, um, yeah, so... Hopefully, I'm, like, I'm signed up for a race called Highlands in 100 at the end of July. Okay. Um, and it's in the mountains, kind of in the front range in Colorado. It's like four hours from here. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to just see how that goes. Definitely. It'll be fun and really pretty. Yeah. What attracted you to move to Colorado? Um, I mean, just the mountains. Like, when I first visited here, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Just to be able to live here and go do this on the weekend would be unreal. You know, so I kind of tried to find ways to get there. And then finally, um, I heard from a friend that Tailwind Nutrition was hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked to the sales and marketing manager there and, and then the owner. And, you know, finally it was settled that they offered me a job. And uh, me and my boyfriend and Titus, our dog, we... we Got a budget truck and moved out here from Pennsylvania. Fantastic. So, yeah, now he's been here for two years. And you've not looked back. No, 
I mean, we haven't even, I went back to Philly area once to visit my parents, and, and they were going to come out last summer, but because of COVID, they didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we are hoping to get back east this fall, maybe. That would be really nice. We Definitely. like it there. It's just really fun. <laughs> What's the situation like over there? Is it is the COVID restrictions improving? Yeah, they are actually. I mean, so we live in a smaller town, and I feel like we got lucky with like never really felt super restricted because this is just a really active outdoor town. So okay. you can go to a number of different trails, and like there's so much to choose from, so nothing ever felt crowded. Okay. Um, yeah, but back home in Pennsylvania. Um, there was more restrictions, just a more crowded area. Yeah. Um, and their vaccine rollout's not as great as Colorado's. It's just the state to state. Yeah, um, of course. I don't know what their situation is with opening up, but different states in the West around here are opening up again, and, like, the restaurants can be full capacity. And That's stuff great. Like that. yeah. I don't know if the timing is good or not, but whatever, that's happening. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know. You know, I spent... John Kelly lives in the UK, and he said that they were on finishing their third lockdown there. So, <laughs> yes, uh, it's been a bit different for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, we've got races back in the UK now. We've had them back for about a week, so maybe, oh, wow. okay. maybe it's the start of the beginning of the end, if you will. Hopefully, yeah, very I hopefully. So. I know. I've been watching. Yeah. Um, I've been watching John's social media and his training and things like that especially over the Barkley and it was uh, yeah he was really sad not to be there wasn't he yeah yeah and I mean I think it's pretty hard to train for him when you can't go that far from your house yeah definitely and they have their fourth kid um, yeah so yeah the timing was just really bad but hopefully next year we can all be back absolutely what what qualities as a runner then do you feel that you have that make you successful, particularly in those longer distances that you mentioned? Um, I think really the only quality is that I'm stubborn. Okay. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I just find a goal and then I just kind of like I'm gonna try to get there, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not always successful, but I mean I'll keep trying. Absolutely. Um, so that's probably the only thing. You know because have any other special qualities other than, than stubbornness? I think stubbornness is quite often overlooked as an ultra runner. It's it is a, a really big thing in the industry, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty common. Um, it can be a detriment to to us, but I think there's like a, a, a line we have to find. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the stubbornness helps keep you motivated towards a certain goal. Mm-hmm. So definitely helpful. Speaking yeah. of motivation what what is it that motivates you to set challenges is it literally just having a goal yeah i mean well for barkley it's almost like something that i'm not sure i can achieve so that's kind of kind of fun of course um whereas like you know i i feel like i can set a goal for a hundred miler and i know i can finish Mm -hmm. um it's kind of silly to set a goal to win because you don't know who's going to show up and you don't have control over other people's races. So, like, it's better to have a goal where it's like, I think I can do this personally or, like, I want to be able to, you know, run hard as much as I can um, and feel, you know, feel like I have 
even energy or something like that. Yeah. Um, things you can control for yourself rather than that. But that was like largely, I, you don't feel like you're racing other people. Um, it's more against the course. So that yeah. has like a different feel to it. You just have to show up as ready as possible for Absolutely. everything that's going to be thrown at you. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, from what I've heard, not that I've ever experienced it, but from what I heard, it, it throws a lot at you. Yeah. Well, and every year you're like, oh, I need to be ready for that. <laughs> or, you know. Wasn't um, expecting that. Yeah. 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 What, what are your views on the mental strength aspect of running, particularly ultra running? Um, I mean, that's a huge part of it. I mean, people say, I can't run those distances, but that's not true. I think anyone can. Um, you know, aside from having some weird issues that physically prevent you from doing so, but like, of yeah, if, if, if you can run, like you can do uh, an ultra distance if you wanted to. People just like don't want to, and that's fine. But they're like, no, I can never do that. Well, you don't want to. I don't want to ride a hundred miles on a mountain bike, but yeah. I could probably do it. Um, that just sounds not fun to me. Um, and they do like riding my bike here and there, but. Not that far. Um, so I understand that when people say that. Absolutely <laughs> but, agree. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think this is really that's the whole thing, the mental part. And you have to also prepare yourself mentally. Like if you're a faster runner, mm-hmm. um, and you're transitioning to ultra ultra running, you have to kind of set the, like your expectations to just that things are going to be a little slower. You're not going to just be flying through. I think that's kind of why some uh, younger, at least younger guys that try to get into 100 miler that are really fast yeah. have trouble with the distance because they, they can't slow down. Um, and it is like the first, you know, the first six hours or even the first 12 hours of a 24 hour are kind of boring because you're just like, okay, just go into the easy pace. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to yeah. speed up, but you really can't. I mean, there's like a, a fine line where you like, you know, so it's just figuring that out. It's kind of hard. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people kind of overlook the fact that ultras are, generally speaking, a lot slower than your standard distance races up to marathon. Yeah, yeah, except for like 50Ks, which yeah, it's, it's crazy how much that extra five miles is like can kill you. But <laughs> um, yeah. I'm really, really excited to see Des Linden with 50k me too um, me too coming up that's gonna be awesome i she has a mental like i think you know i i know that ultras like elite marathoners don't always translate to ultras but she's one of those people who can like the fact that she won the boston marathon because she prevailed through those conditions that most elite ultra run or elite marathoners are not used to or like the mentality of like oh it's not perfect i'm gonna drop out like absolutely she already, she's made to run ultras, I feel like. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, I hope. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any hope about it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. I think we're all kind yeah. of perched, do it perched sure. at the edge yeah. of our seats waiting for this. I know. Definitely. <laughs> we do like to perch and watch other people as well, don't we? As well as running. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's been no big races. I mean, I guess people get into Barkley and stuff. And it's yeah. 
just some tweets here and there, but um, yeah, people get into, you know, and they did the Hoka, they did this Hoka event where a bunch of people went for records and, you know, Jim missed the world record by just like 11 seconds or something crazy. But um, yeah. yeah, like uh, I think people are just hungry for those types of things to follow and people to root for. Definitely. Bring it on. We're waiting, ready. Yeah. The ultra world is yeah. ready for this. Absolutely. We've yeah. been out of it for yeah. so long. <clears throat> anyway, we, uh, we've we just mentioned the missing world records and things like that. How do you view failure personally? Or should I say, how yeah, do you yeah. deal with it? Oh, repeat the question? Sorry. How do, how do you view or deal with failure as and when it happens? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so... I think when I did really poorly at Western States in 2017, it just, like, shoots you down and you think maybe you're not as good as, like, people thought you were or things like that. Okay. Um, but honestly, now I pick things. It seems like I pick things where you're, like, 90% chance of failure. So then you <laughs> fail, you're like, okay, that's probably going to happen. So let's try again. Try again. So, like, you know, same with bigs. Like, bigs, I just love it. Um, it's just fun. Um, and same with Barkley, I just knew I was going to have to make this a multi-year project. Yeah. Um, it is disappointing when you felt, like, physically ready and just, like, one stupid thing kind of, like, threw you off. Um, with us, there was a navigation error, and, like, I just need to work on that and what I can do in that situation so I don't have to make these on-the-fly decisions where I'm like, oh, what do we do? Oh, yeah, let's always agree to do this, which is a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, so... But yeah, I mean, whatever. And also, this is not like, this is not what I do for a living. Like, I have a job at Tailwind. It's a full time thing. And it's very busy. And, mm-hmm. um, so I can't get all, you know. Laz. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Laz was saying he was really upset about the navigational error. He, he thought that the, the ladies this year would go far ability wise. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of sucks because like it's just one little thing and, and Barkley's a roller coaster like that because you could get a little bit lost or turned around and be like oh no and then you realize that you're not that lost yeah. and usually you're not that lost that's what I think what happens is most people do not make horrible they're never that far off course but then they think they second guess themselves and they think and then they do something like like the two years ago Jameer or uh, you know Calmet uh, was going to finish a fun run. He was almost done. He was at the last book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came upon this, like, cliff stand. And he didn't remember coming down that, um, which is the one reverse loop. And turns out he was exactly on course. That's where he should have been. But he went back to the book and just kind of, like, waited there in the dark, in the fog with the dog that he randomly found. And mm-hmm. uh, when he woke up in the daylight, he realized, oh, I'm right on course. So, like, he just didn't want to get lost. So he, like, Got under his heat blanket and waited for daylight. But, wow. um, like, yeah, so I think most of the times you're still, like, not that far off. You just have to find your way. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you, you work full time for Tailwind. How do you balance running and that? Um, so when I'm training and you're in the thick of it, like, uh, I, I get up pretty early. Um, and because I mean, things can happen during the day. 
Okay. So as long as you get at least something in in the morning, that's really good. And then it, that helps me focus more at work. Okay. Um, and then, you know, uh, I rarely take lunch breaks. So, like, you know, sometimes I try to do a little strength workout in the middle of the day. Okay. That doesn't always happen. Um, and then after work would be, you know, you try to do something else. Um, but the main thing is in the morning um, just to get it done. Yeah. That's the best that's nice to kind of make sure that you get it in for the day. Yeah. Do you work with a coach? I do. Um, my, my coach, Michelle Yates, she lives in uh, the front range here in Colorado. Okay. Um, and she uh, started this company, Rugged Running. She's been coaching me since 2014. Okay. When a friend recommends her, and I met her at a race called Rocky Raccoon 100. And, um, yeah, and she's been my coach since, and she added, like, a lot of elements to my training that I had no idea about. But, like, speed work was the main thing. Um, I didn't think you needed that for ultra running. <laughs> <laughs> I got much faster when she did that. Strength work, yeah. she's big on that. And I was always went to the gym and stuff, but she gave me nice balance of things. Because, you know, doing CrossFit and trying to run was, was really hard. I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's not a good combination. My legs are always tired. It doesn't make you faster. Yeah. Um, so doing the wrong exercises, basically. Yeah. You said, you mentioned your strength training. Do you still do that? And what kind of, what kind of stuff do you do? Not cross yeah, I'm um, assuming. Yeah. There's a fun gym here called the Vault, and they do, like, circuit training. So you do, do barbells and stuff. Okay. But I haven't been going to them. Um, just to save money right now, but also, like, you know, the whole COVID thing. Of course. Um, uh, so, but I did, I did acquire, for the last six years, a bunch of different equipment that's pretty adequate for what I do. Yeah. I even have this, like, big power that's called the Power of Power. Power of Power something. I don't know. It's some <laughs> Amazon thing I got. And, um, it has a pull-up bar and dip bar and um, all those kinds of things. So I can do that. Mm -hmm. I have little dumbbells, larger dumbbells. I have a BOSU ball, stability ball, all kinds of things. So um, I can do a pretty good little workout here in our house. Fantastic. Especially during COVID. Needed. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Much needed. Yeah, I've just slowly acquired stuff over the years. Like, I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to have this. Like... <laughs> Um, those stretch, those uh, therabands for the hip, you know, like hip locks with the banded locks, like mm -hmm. or something. I do that's easy, and those bands are cheap. Yeah. Um, but other things like a Bosu ball is not. So, like one day, I finally committed yeah. to went ahead and bought that, and no, it's acquired slowly. Bosu's are not cheap. However, they are very, 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 very useful. You can do a lot on yeah. a Bosu, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a good investment. It's not super big, so um, yeah, yeah. Would you say that you've adapted and grown over as an athlete over the years? Yeah, I would hope so. Um, oh, so yeah, it's funny to look, look back on it. Well, um, I don't get super nervous for races anymore. Okay, I just I get excited. Even Barclay, I wasn't super nervous. I was just excited to start. Um, really. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I would get more nervous for like local 5Ks because they start so fast and it's like, ah. <laughs> and so I feel more buttery, flyery, fly, jittery for a 5K. Yeah. Um, 
any kind of pre-race routines do you have anything specific in your diet or um kit that you you specifically like um well for races i usually wake up and i eat like the instant oatmeal um and then you know i need peanut butter because i can handle some extra fat uh yeah a banana coffee like normal um that's like it. I think I try to do some stretching and stuff like that, or something light um, in the morning. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's it, really. It's all right. That's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. And you use your tailwind during your racing. Yeah, yeah, I use that. And then for longer stuff, I even use the rebuild recovery stuff, like during. Okay. Um, it sits well with me, and then it has a little extra substance because it has a little bit of fat from the coconut cream powder, and then it has the right protein. Um, it has all the amino acids, so it's complete protein. So Excellent. I think it's just a really good option for me. Um, I know other people that are use it. We don't market it as that because um, there's not a ton of evidence about how important protein really is during yeah. ultras, but I feel like it really helps me, so I don't know, I'm just going with that. Science or not? <laughs> That's, I mean, whatever works for you, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. And like, I've done a caffeine paper for weeks before. Okay. Um, and then I talked to a nutritionist friend, Meredith Terranova, and she said actually that the science on that is that the caffeine paper is just kind of useless. And I was like, well, I feel like it worked, and I feel like. I was more alert when I took a small sip of caffeine or like half of the caffeine. Like, like a, if you do a one stick pack, for a, two scoops of talent, like 75 milligrams of caffeine. And wow. okay. um, that's not like, yeah, here in the U.S., if you get like a Starbucks coffee, that's like half the amount of caffeine you get um, than in like a Starbucks. So, wow. I mean, it's not a ton. So you could drink a little bit of that and I could feel it. Whereas normally I that probably wouldn't do anything to me. But huh? it's maybe all placebo. So, but it works. I guess it doesn't matter, does it? If it's a placebo. I've had um, yeah. sugar-free pop during a race before, mm-hmm. and that helped. Yeah. I didn't know right. it was sugar-free. You like, zero energy from it, but your body's like, ooh, this is great. <laughs> exactly. I don't like cola, yeah. but right now I really like cola. Yeah. You right. know? <laughs> and that's the thing during an ultra too. It's like you can't eat or you think nothing sounds good. You should just try something anyway because, like, I thought potato chips taste, sounded disgusting. Or I was like, I didn't want to chew them. And then you would put them in your mouth and you're like, oh, this is working. 
or maybe something that works doesn't normally work and it makes you want to throw up. So then Definitely. you try something else and you're like, whoa, this is working. Definitely. So that's another strategy you can do. <laughs> I've taken a case full of foods that I wouldn't normally eat. And actually, they turn out to be the things that my body wants. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll crave weird things when I'm running. I'm like, I haven't had that in so long. Like, sometimes, but like, like for example, I don't know, beef stroganoff, which I haven't oh, had wow. since my mom made it. And I was like, in a, and I would get this, like, weird craving for it. I've never had beef stroganoff during a run. I probably would never. <laughs> but, like, that's, like, the weird thing. I mean, it's some childhood thing or something. But, like, yeah, you would never know. Like, well, if you ever one. have it during a, an ultra, let me know what it's like. Does it work or does it not? Would, That's what we need to know. Be terrible idea. Maybe the kind that's not made with cream. I think yeah. there's cream in it. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's noodles and beef and salty, fatty stuff, so it's probably delicious. Which is why your body's craving it, essentially. It wants that's all of the components. Coming, yeah. yeah. Apart from the fact that it's slower and a little bit less kind of pressurized what attracts you to long distance um i think just like i like all the ups and downs you go through and each time you kind of discover something new like mm-hmm. learn something else okay. um and the ones i keep signing up for i feel like it's like oh i haven't done this like yeah you i do love 100 milers and i haven't done like a point to point 100 miler in so long yeah like high lonesome is gonna seem like just this 50 mile race or something <laughs> I mean and it's going to be hard but I, I know when it starts and I know that I'll be done within 24 to 30 hours or something like mm-hmm. it's going to be so fun um and uh but like these longer races like I'm signed up for my next one May 3rd Cucadona to Jetski it's a race through Arizona 250 miles from wow. Rock Canyon City to, to Flagstaff okay and I'm just excited to see I've run 250 miles only once in, in the big backyard format so mm-hmm. like I've never been able to be in charge of what pace and when to sleep like at big it's all dictated to you so you have this hour and you know like whatever you however you want to figure that out for the hour just be back in the car house yeah. but this is like definitely different and I think it'll be fun um, and if I'm slower than 60 hours I'll get to run farther than I ever like longer than I ever did. It's actually 254. So when I reach the finish, I'll be a distance PR, which will be fun. But but if I get to if I get beyond um, 60 hours, I'll be into that third night finally, which I've never gotten to. And everyone says that's the worst one, so the worst night. So okay. it'll be fun, kind of fun, and also like I've never experienced that, so it'll be cool. Kind of fun, um, maybe <laughs> maybe some hallucinations along the way. Yeah, yeah. So like, obviously, I want to try to finish between. I don't know. It's a new race, and like, I think sixty hours is really ambitious. So like, it'll probably be me after sixty hours, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping to be done before seventy-two. So somewhere in there, there's like no man's land. So I think I'll get there. It'll just, it'll just be interesting to see how it goes. That sounds amazing. Have you ever had a hallucination yeah. while you've been running? Oh, uh, yeah, big bunch. Uh, what I remember the most, like, yeah, I've seen some things on the road when you're at night on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine are, like, severed heads and weird things like that. Wow. It's funny because I was talking to Courtney DeWalter, and, like, she, she 
she her hallucinations of teddy bears and um, <laughs> Mickey Mouse on a swing set and like all these happy things. Um, and she jokes that because I watch things like the movie It before races <laughs> or something, and she watches home garden television or something. But the big thing I remember at big um, the third day or I guess it's the fourth day. It was after our second night. Yeah, third day of trail was the sound hallucination. That was the craziest for me because, like, I, I think when you see weird stuff, you're like, well, I know that's not there, I guess, unless it's something that could be there, like a, I don't know, somebody hallucinated a mattress once on the side of the trail. I guess that could be there, but, like... Definitely, yeah. But, yeah, but these sound hallucinations, I just kept hearing voices whispering. Wow. And then I would hear, like, growls in the woods. So, <laughs> and it was raining, too. So, like, that... Mixing in all the sounds, like, was just playing with my mind in, in that. So that was, like, the weirdest thing. That sounds really fun. No severed yeah, heads, though, no? It wasn't until I heard this growl and I saw what I thought was two dogs sprinting through the woods. Oh, my goodness. And they were, like, gone so quick. But I asked Sandra, Laz's wife, like, if anyone else had these dogs, and I described them. And she said her neighbors do. So it could have been, like, real dogs. <laughs> Wow. I mean, if anything's going to make you run faster, it's that. I know. I was like, you don't have wolves or panthers in your yard. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay. If you do, can you please put them on a leash? Because I don't know whether they're chasing me or not. No, because if not, I think they're somewhere right near the trail. <laughs> <laughs> tell, me, tell me about the big stuff. What, what draws you to that? Um, I originally signed up get some sleep deprivation training hopefully um okay. for sparkly and i thought it would be valuable but it also sounds fun because uh and it's following along with, um guillaume and harvey that one year mm-hmm. with 2017 when they were like babbling for a day and i was like this sounds fun and so i immediately signed up as soon as the thing was open okay. um and i didn't know what to extract but I tried, you know, I trained really hard and in the end had this like weird injury from, I think I had to run more roads. I did run enough roads. The roads really beat you up. So most people go out at night on the road. Right. And you think that's like your time to recover and whatever, but it's just really monotonous. Obviously roads hard on your body and people are sleepy. I just couldn't troubleshoot because I wasn't using the time between the laps to um, stretch and do I was just sitting in a chair and food. So, um, yeah, eventually I like barely moved my leg and um, wasn't thinking straight. So partway through the lap, I turned around. I couldn't get down the one. There's like a little steep hill. It's not that steep. But the group pulled away from me. I was like, I can't finish this lap and I don't want to work it in. So, so I turned around after like, I don't even remember, 44 hours. Yeah. And that was super disappointing because I was like, I know I can be way better than that. So, yeah, um, yeah. so I worked on running more roads and things like that. And and then that year, the year 2019, I I made sure that every minute I had free, I was either, I was taking care of myself and either eating, but stretching and, and addressing all those little tiny things that are like talking to you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the anticipation part of it, is it not? In, in running, learning about what you did wrong and fixing that. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, like, there's always something you can fix, even if it's little. 
and usually like I'm pretty good at like addressing that and then find something else that you did wrong and <laughs> fix that too. But um, yeah, and, and it networks. That is a pretty simple format too. So like it's it's not as complicated as Barclay where you have to have like just so time consuming there's so many things that you can do wrong that could just mess you up in an instant whereas yeah. like a big you can you're back where you were every hour so you can adapt mid-race do what you need to do yeah yeah so, was the 2019 yeah. version the your favorite version of bigs personally um I mean, they're all fun. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I did enjoy it. It was the, the best I felt. It's really nice to feel like you can keep going and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you make new friends and, and things like that. Um, I mean, every year it's really fun. Um, it's hard to say which one's my favorite. I mean, I felt like 2019 was the most successful one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every yeah. year is really fun. It's really different. Um, Obviously, this year is really different because we didn't have our international friends there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it still ended up being, like, a really good competition. So, it was pretty cool. That sounds good. That sounds really good. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Me, tell me about your history with the Barkley Marathons, then. How many times have you done it prior to being there? Excellent. Uh, three times. So, yeah, I applied the 2018 Barclay and I was lucky enough to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I kind of, I ran, what is it, 2016, I think I ran the Barclay Fall Classic, okay. um, which is the 30, 50K version of, of the loop of Barclay, yeah. just to see what it was like. Um, and I knew the winner got an entry with Barclay Marathon, so I was like, well, if that happens, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't end up winning and I mean I didn't know where I was going and it just realized like holy crap this is like nuts yeah. Uh, but yeah so I ended up finishing and it was fun um, my legs were super cut up and then I was like yeah, yeah I don't know if I can imagine doing five weeks of that so I didn't but and someone had given me the the um, entry info okay. and I was like yeah and I kind of sat on it for a couple of years so finally in 2018 I was like I think I can I think I'm ready to start like tackling this, and so I applied, and, and I was looking up to get in 2018, and it was just a crazy weather year. We made it two loops over time, um, and I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll get back in, and I'll I'll give this another chance because I think me and Amelia Blue were the only other females to make it that far, so he let me back in in 2017 or 2019 mm-hmm. um and then 2019 I was that's when I got the job here and I was kind of moving and all this stuff and I think I was mentally physically exhausted by the time I got there and so I'm not I barely made a lap but I dragged myself around it was just one of those things where I was like I can't seem to have any energy I can't recover um and then the weather was hot and then it turned into a storm at the end and most everyone that went out came back hypothermic. I, I didn't go back wow. out for a second lap. I had four minutes left, I think. Okay. 
And yeah, so I was like, well, I'm going to be let back in after that performance. So <laughs> um, win big. And so like, I thought in my head, like, well, I got to really put this together and that'll be my way back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I was just riding on the guaranteed entry for the cancellation and that just rolled over this year. So Yeah. Tell me about this year. Lance said the weather was pretty horrendous. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, it was two weeks early this year, like even more so because he started on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, and the funny part is the two days, the two or three day stretch after everyone was done running was beautiful. <laughs> so so I noticed. Again, we, we would have had a tail. We would have had the tail end of some crappy weather and fog. Yeah. But it would have been beautiful beyond that. And I think there could have been some finishers then. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, it poured from, like, 10 or 10.30 p.m. until just before, like, more, um, 2 o'clock, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he blew the conch at, like, 2.04 a.m. Um, so you see a little break in the rain, and it was, like, raining off and on, but the ground was saturated and we thought it was supposed to get better and it didn't that night, the okay. second night. Um, and we, the temperature dropped and um, the fog was just worse, especially the higher you go on those little mountains. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Is like, even with that, that crappy weather, we could have made a, a fun run um, had we not made that stupid decision. Navigation yeah. error. But, um, you know, that's just part of it. Well, yeah, as you say, it's it's part of the journey, isn't it? You you said it was yeah. a multi a multi year goal kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it sucks to feel so good and feel like you did everything preparation right. Yeah. Like correctly to get there. But um I have to work on navigation. I think I'm out the only time I really do that is during Berkeley and then you know, just kind of brush up on map skills and compass skills. But yeah. I think I need to put it into action and so I've been looking at some orienteering and low game races and stuff. Okay. Um, to see what I can do to get some experience. It sounds fun too, it was like something different. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely. yeah, I wanna try to there's a world championship type thing. The thing is orienteering and low game races, like it's so confusing yeah. on how to enter because they ask for all this information I don't know anything about so it's gonna have one of Laz's buddies who helps out with the Buckley and Diggs, Mike Dobies, who used to do a lot of orienteering stuff. Mm-hmm. I got to ask him all about it. They're asking for all these numbers for clubs and stuff that I'm not in. So I was like, how do I fill this out? It's harder than entering Buckley. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just figure that out. Which is, which entering Buckley is renowned to be difficult. Yeah. I mean, once you know, you just follow the, how you, the instructions it's just like <laughs> well yeah then he sends you after you're in he sends you the stupid like right. exam Berkeley exam that have the dumbest questions but they're meant to like be entertaining for him <laughs> um and they're ridiculous and as a as a virgin Berkeley virgin you're like oh my god feel like you just got to get it right. And John Kelly's like, uh, as far as I know, he's never denied anyone entry for wrong exam answers. He's like, <laughs> some of them are like, the purposely he puts problems on there that are unsolvable. Like one is known as one of the hardest um, logic 
logic questions in the world or something. And right. I Googled the question. He doesn't like Googled answers. So he makes stuff up. But I did Google the question and it gave, there is so many papers written on this question wow. um, on how you would decide. Uh, it was different being said that why they tell the truth and this one always lies and this one sometimes tells the truth and what one question can you ask them um, and stuff like that to, to get to figure out who's telling like the truth or if, if the statement is true or something like that um, yeah it's stuff like that and you're like what? <laughs> just to make the process but, just a little bit more stressful yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, but I then guess it, now that I've done it a bunch of times, I know it's not going to make a difference. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's good to have John Kelly in your corner if if you yeah. don't know it at first. Yeah, it is, he's been very helpful. But he'll never give away any, like, you're not supposed to share map information. No, um, no. You know, but, like, he'll help you. Like, if you, he knows you're doing your homework, and he'll, he'll give you little little tidbits about things but but like you know all the administrative stuff you have to do get in the Berkeley is super helpful yeah definitely with with the the post getting into Berkeley exam in mind then what do you think of Laz oh he's he's hilarious and he cracks himself up all the time <laughs> <laughs> um people are sometimes put off by him because they think he's sexist or doesn't think a woman can finish because he said that. Yeah, he did. But like that's just part of his his persona. He plays this character at Barkley, Lazarus, like, even though he's more like he's more just himself that like bigs because it's his yard and he'll just be like and it's such a long race and you see everyone so much. But at at Barkley he he has these like scripted phrases that he always says and witty answers. And like so you know, for example, at Biggs, he still does that at Biggs, but, like, um, the first year when that I was there, when Courtney and Johan went for, like, 68 hours, okay. he was like, oh, it's going on so long, I'm running out of material. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's, he's funny, has really good stories, I mean, he's really smart. He definitely thinks a woman can finish and wants that to happen. I mean, I think that's what he's doing people a chance and, and things like that and, and but none no woman has finished yet so no. it's just let's just finish and then prove him wrong i did um, i did have to laugh he came over to the um the uk national running show and somebody oh, right. it yeah. was last last the last one pre-covid so 2019 i believe and he said something somebody said oh why hasn't a woman finish the Barkley and his his exact line was because it's too hard for women and yeah. all the all the British yeah. women kind of went oh my god you know and it's you know I'm just standing in the background laughing thinking we'll prove him wrong you know somebody's got yeah. through one day yeah I'm like instead of getting mad at him like I'm just gonna go try it but, exactly I don't know he's not he's that's the thing with like Biggs too. After that crappy year ahead of Berkeley, we're just hanging out after and just kind of talking to him. Yeah. And he said he wanted nothing more than to see a woman win Biggs overall. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought in my head, well, that's how I'm going to get back into Berkeley, and I'm going <laughs> to make sure that he he knows that I I got that idea from him, and 
that I'll do that. And like, so, I, you know, I was lucky enough to feel good during the race and have, um, Will, you know, Hayward pushed me to like, you know, we went for 60 hours and, um, and then I got the entry. Um, and then I reminded him on my essay that I, that I, he said that and I did it. <laughs> so, so, uh, I don't want to put that in my Barkley essay to say I will finish Barkley because that's just really crazy. So yeah. um, I'll just keep trying. Absolutely. What makes you What makes you want to go and keep trying? Is it the challenge? Well, of- I think I can. I, yeah, I think I haven't gotten to to like you know every year. I feel like there's something. There hasn't been a year where I'm like, oh, I did everything right and I still couldn't finish. So I just keep adjusting the things. Maybe, you know, like if I did everything, like if I felt amazing, I just go and go and go and I still wasn't fast enough to finish. um, And I didn't think there was anything different I could do, then that's fine. Or I end up being, I'm 55 years old at this point. (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, so for now, I mean, there's things I can adjust and learn. I mean, Andrew Thompson took him 10 tries to finish. So. Wow. Um, I so hope it doesn't take me that long, but it happened. Well, you know, you're only you're only three in. Just a baby in comparison, really. Yeah. <laughs> and I have the experience of training for four Barclays. We just didn't get to the other one. Definitely, um, yeah. So they, yeah. They did, that canceled like two weeks out, so I'd done all the training. and. Uh-huh. I mean, that's valuable. Your body's kind of used to it. Definitely. Learn things. So. Definitely. What did you do with yeah. your pre-Barkley fitness when it got cancelled? Uh, well, I got injured, apparently. Excellent. <laughs> Good. What, what, yeah. what did you yeah. do? I don't know. I think it was a long time coming. I, I got an SI joint injury, which I didn't even know. Okay. What that felt like. So finally, another runner here in Durango was like, that's a joint pain. And um, I, I don't know, me and my friends decided we'd run a 100 mile week and they're remote, you know. So we just were like, okay, checking in. We're like, oh, we've done this. And we reached a 100 mile week and then I decided to sign up for the quarantine backyard. And me and Sally and uh, my friend Sally McRae and Courtney Walter were deciding we'd run 100 miles. In the quarantine backyard, call it a day. It would just be fun. Like, no one's out to win it. Not no. like running, trying to run 60 something hours with Mike Wardian or anything. Yeah. And, um, and, and at nine hours into this quarantine backyard, uh, I just couldn't run anymore. My, it was like a soreness in my, in my butt, my hip. And turns out I didn't run for like two months after that. So, wow. Spent a lot of the quarantine just injured, trying to ride a bike here and there, but that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't go to a PT or figure out what was wrong because everything shut down. Yeah. So finally I did in like end of May, I finally got to a PT or something. Wow. And, it, yeah. I'm assuming it's all good now. Yeah. It took a while. Like all summer, I just kind of did a lot of hiking. Also dealt with asthma issues from um, bronchitis at the end of December wow. 2019. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't, 2020 is probably a good year for everything to be canceled because I could figure out what's <laughs> going on with my lungs and yeah. my side joints. So, so you can reset the body for 2021 when the races reappear. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah. Tell me about the community feel within, as Laz describes it, the Barkley family. Yeah, well, anytime you have to do something pretty hard, mm-hmm. you form a bond. It's like any ultra where you run with people. Yeah. But yeah. in the Barkley, um, I mean, it's more, honestly, you don't meet, I've never really talked to anyone and made friends and met people um, so much before because everyone's trying to copy their map and get their stuff ready and it's just stressful and like whatever. But yeah. um, afterwards, you like, your different people's stories and obviously on course you you form groups um, yeah. and run with different people and and obviously that's like forms the bond and um and just because it, it is it's it's you also it's the runners versus the Barkley so it's not like a race where there's any kind of rivalry I don't know maybe some of the finisher guys feel like rivalries but I haven't felt that yet like I just think it's like anyone next to you can, is your friend. Yeah. Like if they can hang with you, you can hang with them. Then that's an extra set of eyes. That's um, yeah. So I think that's probably why. It's lovely. How did how did this year differ from previous years in terms of COVID restrictions and things like that? Was there less of a community around? Um, I think the community was even better because it was so small. Um, okay. It was thirty five runners. Each person was allowed one crew member only, and not everyone brought one crew member. Okay. So I would say probably runner and crew, they're probably top, like, you know, 60, 60 65 people. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then only a small amount of media. Um, and so it felt like a really small, small race. He didn't set up. He usually set these big gates up along the way, along the gates to kind of make a corral so that media can't swarm in there. Yeah. Um, and hangs up all the country flags with all the people that are there and license plates. But there's just one little, like, tent area set up. Um, and then they just put a 10 by 10 over the gate, um, the little gate post so that when lads count pages, he's not getting rained on. Yeah. But it wasn't like a whole fortress. And it, it just, it was, yeah, it just, I don't know. I didn't experience the risk before the documentary, and everyone said that changed it. Okay. But yeah, I feel like it felt much smaller. And I guess you'd have to ask a lot of the teachers, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think he enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I think well, he said that he enjoyed not having to put all the number plates up from the cars. I enjoyed that too because yeah, I actually put the map out at a decent time instead of like <laughs> five cm. It Fair enough. It really takes the time hanging up all the license plates <laughs> and then puts the map out. But he didn't want people, like, clustering. Yeah. Uh, he only wanted two two at a time. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it went up with Courtney, and we just sat right down, and we're able to copy the map and, and then walk back to our campsite. Usually you're just trying to, like, wait your turn and squish in the second somebody's up there and yeah. whatever. It was, it, was not, it was not the stressful experience that I've experienced the last few days, so... <laughs> Well, you have right. COVID to thank for that one, I guess. The one thing it's Even we just hide the lights and sleep next time so he can't hang them up. <laughs> Somebody just take the license plates away from him and then it'll can be yeah. stress free. Yeah. How did what you have I don't know if you're allowed to speak about this, but do you have a favorite part of the course? Um, I don't know. I 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, always going through the prison is pretty fun. You walk through the tunnel okay. under the prison because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're like, you know, you've seen pictures and you're know, like, I don't know, it's just a neat part of the course. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, Rat Jaw is iconic. That everyone knows that climb. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just getting to the tower up there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all. I guess those would be my my favorite things, just because they're like things you always see and hear about, and they're also easy to navigate parts of the course. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> was Rat, I'm sure Rat Doll was the one that was pictured on Twitter a couple of days later in the sun and it was beautiful weather. And somebody, yeah. somebody had mentioned how gorgeous it was that day compared to during the Barkley where it was horrendous. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, it's usually at the end of March, close of April first. Yeah. That last weekend in March, John Kelly's mom sent me pictures of the creeks at Frozen Head and reported that they had um, it's three and a half inches of rain. I don't know how many centimeters that is, but it's in two storms. Which wow. Is tons of rain. Yeah, yeah. Like, to put in perspective, we got two inches of rain overnight from that first storm before Barkley started. Blimey. But he said, John Kelly's dad had said that no one would have finished one lake in those conditions. He doesn't think. So, and they had tornado warnings and all kinds of crazy storms. Gosh. Um, so it was somehow worse the actual weekend of Berkeley than the one we got. Well, I guess I guess that's that's good. Maybe is it? Yeah, I guess. Blimey. Good for people in camp. I think that kind of weather sucks more if you get stuck at camp. There is that. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. I asked Lars about his item. Now people. People, for those that don't know, people have to give Lars items if they've um, tried and they're there for a returning time. Oh, that's what he said. I don't know if that is correct. Apologies if it is not correct. But he said this year, this year it was a soda he can't get hold of. So where did you get the soda yeah. from? How did you source that? Well, my, so it's Moxie soda. And like, apparently it's made in Maine. Okay. Um, it's a really old soda, and my mom said they used to give you Moxie syrup when she's seventy-one right now. So okay. back in like the fifties, probably they gave you Moxie syrup as like a nausea remedy. She <laughs> right. said it made her more sick usually because it was so sweet. Lovely. But um, it does taste like cough medicine. It's disgusting. But yeah, Moxie. I guess they had some issue with the factory, and it's just not easy to find. Um. And it was really expensive, but my friend Greg went to six different Cracker Barrels, which is a restaurant, like a chain restaurant here that's like a country diner. Okay. has like comfort food, and they, in the front of their store, they have this like general store where they sell like rocking chairs and old tiny candy and nostalgic sodas and stuff. So he went to six different ones to acquire wow. 24 bottles of Moxie for <laughs> both of us. That's fantastic. What great yeah. help. Great help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just, yeah, he described it as it tastes like medicine, but he likes it, which which yeah. was very bizarre, but hey-ho, never mind. It is. <laughs> it is. Apart from the navigational error, did you come across any other challenges during the event this year? Um, yeah, no, just a couple ones that took, like, that 
him away. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's a couple that cost us like 15 minutes here and there, mm-hmm. which in hindsight, like, you're like, oh, there are 12 minutes over the cutoff. So one of those little mistakes hadn't happened. Then even a big mistake would have been fine. Yeah. But whatever. Um, we had the fog and it got super windy. Okay. Um, and it just was cold. We had trouble every time we stopped or if we got thrown off on navigation and had to like reset, we would get so cold. Yeah. Um, so that second night, the conditions were just really hard. Um, so yeah, I think also next time I would never go back out with like and thinking I'll be back at a certain time of night and not extra layer. That was like my hands wouldn't work. You know, Jamil almost bailed because he was so cold. He's from Phoenix, so, like, you know, he was used to, like, 85 degrees every day already. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, um, no other major issues. I mean, also, the first lap, we were, like, we're doing really well. No navigation issues, really, at all. No. Um, we felt like we were moving. We're, mm-hmm. like, oh, we, there's only two out and backs on the course, and both times we saw Jared and Luke who were ahead and first, like, only 15 minutes in front of us, and we're like, we're doing really well. And I looked at my, our timepiece he gave us was in a watch. It was a stopwatch, a metal stopwatch. Okay. So you had to take it out of your pack to look at it. <laughs> nice. So it wasn't easy to refer to. Yeah, so, like, I only checked at one point when I saw them, and I'm like, we're doing really bad, or, like, I don't know, you know, because, like, we were going to get to the tower in, like, seven hours and 20 minutes, which is slow. That's not good at all. Because yeah. you want to do... I wanted to do the last under 10 hours. Um, you know, obviously nine and a half would have been great. Yeah. Um, but we were coming in at 1040. Um, and Jared and Luke, I think, came in at like 1020 or something. Yeah. Um, 1025. I don't know. Which for them, Jared usually does like an eight and a half hour lap. So. Wow. Okay. No one could really figure out why it was so much slower. I think maybe just the terrain was so wet. Yeah. Um, so. That's just kind of a mystery. I also wonder if maybe you can't check the time to kind of light a fire under your ass to like, hey, you need to move a little faster because you realize like, oh, you're here at this time and this time. And you, and you realize that it's not good. Yeah. Um, but because your watch is buried in your pack and it's a metal stopwatch, you don't look at it. No. That's fair. Most of us train with a watch on our wrists as well, don't we? Yeah. 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 Does that make an awful so, lot yeah, of difference? knowing that you can't have your, your smart devices with you during the Barclay? No. I mean, I just know that type of thing. Um, and time flies there, too, so you kind of have no concept of time. You can easily not drink or eat for a while. Okay. Because you're just, where do we go now? Running, running, running. You've got to constantly look at your foot, like your footing, and, and so it's easy to, to forget to eat and drink and four hours has gone by and you're like, what? I finished one bottle of tailwind. That's so bad. Yeah. You know, so things like that. It's hard without the time. Yeah. When you run into a rough patch, where do where does your head go? What thoughts do you experience? Um, I mean, the Barkley, I feel like the rough patches always come at like the mindless climbing parts. Okay. Um, just because you have more time to think and it's like easier to navigate. Um, uh, but just in general, I usually try to remember if I've eaten or drank, okay. um, because usually it's a calorie deficit that's making me feel happy. Um, 
Or yeah. just say yeah. like, oh, think of all the training you did. You know, don't worry about it. Just keep going. Yeah. That's really nice. Is that is yeah. that what you use to draw yourself out of it? Is there anything else? Um, no, I mean, you just kind of accept that you feel crappy or are in a low spot and then, and that's it. Yeah. And you just know that you can't really think ahead too far, you know, yeah. sometimes you'll start sense. to think about the enormity of how far you have to go. You just don't think about it. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah. So I usually just make it a neutral, turn it to like a neutral thing. Yeah. A neutral thought. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, on that, on the second lap, then did that differ from the first after your navigational error? Did you know that you were running kind of behind the time? Yeah. Well, Keith Dunn, who tweets yeah. uh, at the Berkeley, came over to our camp when I was changing my class entries and said, "I have a message from John Kelly," and huh? he said, "John said there will be no finishers, which is here, but yeah. I mean." I wasn't really thinking five laps. I was thinking one lap at a time. And he said, concentrate on a 12-hour lap. You can get a fun run and get on to the fourth lap. Yeah. And, you know, and that would leave us a buffer of, like, 14 hours for the third lap in order to finish under 36 or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, what we'll do. And then, you know, we were like, we wanted to get as far as we could in the daylight. Yeah. Um, so I left with Courtney and Liz, and eventually Jamil caught up to us, and we, all four of us stayed together, especially when it got night. We got to the, um, we got to uh, one part where you really wanted to just get through, but while it was daylight, and we did. Yeah. Um, and, and then the just conditions did not improve. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, I think that we were doing pretty well. Definitely. To get in until it got foggy and dark to do about a, another, like a thirteen something lap. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. How did that? How did that feel when you when you came in and you missed it by twelve minutes? Um, That's neither here I nor mean, there, is probably, it? Yeah, we we could tell by the time we were running up to the gate. Well, at the bottom. After getting kind of turned around and descending for a long time, mm-hmm. we popped out finally on a trail and we're like, oh my God, we are on the opposite side of the ridge we thought. Okay. But we were at the bottom of the next climb. We're like, well, this is the best possible part we couldn't come out at at this point. Um, however, we took instead of regular trail, coming down a ridge on regular and then regular trail, we took all this is a crazy bushwhack route. Okay. It was awful. Yeah. And it wasted, I don't know, an hour and a half at least. Um, yeah. And I looked at my watch real quick, and we had an hour and 45 minutes to make this. It's a big climb, one of the biggest on the course. Um, so we had an hour and 45 minutes to get to the last book and then navigate our way back to the regular trail. And then we had two, um, a little bit over two miles on the regular trail. Okay. So that's. I was like, yeah, it's possible, but it's not likely. And so we just went for it. And then we got to the trail, and both of our – we didn't have too many working headlamps at that point between us. Okay. To me, I didn't want to run anymore. So and he, I think he knew we weren't going to make it, but me and Liz and Courtney tried. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah. And, and, and I mean, we did what we could on the climb and getting back to the trail and we weren't going to run six minutes faster per mile on the trail than we did. Yeah. So it's not like we're like a minute or two, but, um, I mean, I didn't think we'd be that close to once we got back on that trail at the bottom of the climb. So I don't know. I kind of expected it. <laughs> Definitely. Did you, did John Kelly say anything afterwards? Um, yeah, he just said, I uh, wanted to ask me just wanted to see how it went and why I thought it was so slow. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Not even Jared has an answer. You know, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, Jared Campbell. Um, and even he was really shocked at how slow they were the first lap. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hey, some, um, sometimes, yeah. you, sometimes you win and sometimes you don't, right? Yeah, mostly you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn anything from this this year that you didn't already know about yourself? Uh, well, I, I, I do think that finally I feel like physically I could do Barkley. It's hard to understand what you are not good at and what you are good at. Yeah. The first year, because you're just kind of trying to tread water and figure it all out. Yeah. Um, and then the way my body reacted in 2019, I was like, maybe I suck. Um, <laughs> but then this year, I'm like, okay, I did all the training. I did what I could. But I was like thinking, like, if this isn't enough training, I don't know, other than quit my job, what else I can do. You know, like, yeah. there's only so many hours I can train. <laughs> Definitely. And I think it was enough. And so... You know, um, so it's just really the navigation. Um, I thought that maybe you could get by with basic navigation, and, and you can in the daylight in good conditions, but I think that you need to have a better understanding of just, not necessarily, like, I can follow a bearing, but, like, how do you do that in the, stop, in the, fo- the fog in the dark? Yeah. You can't just follow a bearing and walk. Like, you have to look at your feet. You can't see in front of you. So there has to be other things you can do and you just have to be comfortable with being like, oops, I think we're off. Like, what do I do now? Instead of like, just make bad decisions. Yeah. So that's yeah. really the one thing. I just, I thought I could get by on, on the easily navigation skills that I have, but I can't. So. Yeah. But next year you can, next time, might not be next year, but next yeah. time you can go back knowing that yeah. you're physically capable, you just need to work on your nav and by that point I'm assuming you will have yeah definitely well that's it thank you so much for your time today it's been amazing talking about the Barclays and yourself yeah